Well, I'm so glad to see you today. We want to welcome those worshiping with us online as well. You know, I didn't know if you'd be here. Did you know that? Because it's fall break. How many of you knew it's fall break? And what happens is the kids get out of school and then they all go out of town and they go for Thanksgiving somewhere else unless, unless they come here, right? Our kids are coming here. And so I'm glad you're in town. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving and just let me know what time you're eating. And I'll see if I can't drop by and make a personal pastoral visit, okay? Because that's the kind of guy I am, okay? We're in this series called I'm In. The first week we said, I'm invaluable. I'm invaluable. You don't think you are, but you are. You're invaluable to God. You're invaluable to the body of Christ. You're invaluable to the people you reach who are beyond the body of Christ, who are far from God. The people that you witness to just by your life, maybe what you share, how you act, what you say. And so you're invaluable. We don't like to assume that. We don't like to say, I'm invaluable, because we don't feel like we are invaluable. Sometimes we wonder if we have value. Sometimes we get discouraged and we feel like maybe we don't make a difference. And then God gives us a glimpse of how we do make a difference and how he uses us. And he, he gives us a front row seat to watch him work. And it's such a blessing not only to see what happens in somebody's life at the beginning of their faith walk, but maybe later on, years later, we get to see the rest of the story. And we know that they're going to be in eternity with us because maybe you were there for them, and you spoke to them, and you shared with them, and you led them to Christ. You talked to them about it, what it meant to be a Christian. Maybe you were just a witness to them. They watched the way that you acted and the way you lived. And so you are invaluable to God. I hope you'll own that. Can everybody say, I'm in? Amen. I'm invaluable. Amen. Say it like you mean it. Amen. I don't have to let you out of here, you know. <laughs> then the second week we said, I'm in. I'm an influencer. You thought that you had to have a platform on social media with 400 people following you to be an influencer. Nay, nay. You don't have to have that. You can be an influencer to the person who is right in front of you today. You can have an influence on their life for the kingdom. You can make a difference for them. And God's going to give you divine appointments and he's going to work in your life in such a way that he just brings people along and you just try to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. And you influence them and they watch you. Maybe you don't even know about them. Maybe they're watching you from a distance. You don't even realize it. But they see how you act and they see what you say and they see what you do and, and they say there's something special about that person. I want to be an influencer like them. I want to influence people for God. And then today we're going to say, I'm in. I'm invested. Say, I'm invested. I'm invested. Say it now. Smile when you say it. I'm invested. Because when you're invested, you really care about what you're invested in, don't you? I'm invested. What does it mean to be invested in God's church? Some of you are invested in God's church, and some of you would say, you know, I don't think I can say that I'm invested in God's church. I, I don't know that I ever thought about that. I, I don't really think about that. I don't really understand what it means to be invested in God's church. Maybe I'd like to be. I, I don't really know. Can you tell me more about it? What does it mean to be invested in God's church? Because it, you may not be invested here, but I can promise you, you are invested somewhere, aren't you? You're invested in something that's important to you, something that is a priority. You're passionate about example, for, for example, about something. For example, maybe you have season tickets to watch your favorite team play a sport. Are you familiar with football? 
Did you know that it's football season? Laura mentioned it to me on the weekends earlier this year. She let me know about it because she likes to watch football. And so because I'm the kind of guy I am, I watch it with her. You know what I'm saying? And so you're invested. And maybe your team played yesterday and maybe it was really close. We're not going to talk about our teams today. We're here to make friends, not enemies. We, but we, well, maybe you watched and it was close and you didn't know. And maybe your team was right on the verge and then they won. And maybe you were on the other team side and they lost. Okay? Yeah. But it happens. But you're invested and so you paint your face even when you're at home. <laughs> and you scream at the television and you yell and maybe you go out to some public place where they serve you food and do this. And people notice you when you're there, and they say, let's stay away from that person, okay, because they're dangerous. And maybe, you know, you're invested. Maybe you took a class at the church on how to invest your money, and you paid for the class. And I can guarantee you, if you paid for the class, you will not miss a class. I paid for this. I'm invested in it. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to. I'm going to be early. I'm going to stay late. I'm invested. I'm going to get every little dime back out of this. I'm going to be here for this class. I'm going to learn a lot, and I'm going to squeeze a lot out of it. Let's say you have an old clunker car like I used to have. I used to have an old clunker car. It was 18 years old, and I had plans for it. I had plans that I would drive it for 20 years. I had plans that it would last until it had 250,000 miles on it. And then Laura borrowed my car one day. And she drove it behind Publix to be safe. She was going to Dunkin' Donuts. She didn't want to get malfunction junction out front. She went around the back, and it was a bright building. It was painted white. The sun was in her eyes. And then there was a shadow off of the building. She's barely moving. And she didn't notice a dumpster sitting there, a big dumpster, a large dumpster. And she came back home in the car and limped into the driveway. And she said, I hadn't left yet. She said, you may need to go down there and check on the dumpster. I said, baby, <laughs> hitting that dumpster is like hitting a tank. The dumpster's fine, okay? But she totaled my car. She totaled my car. I had plans for that car. I was invested in that car. But I'm not bitter. I've moved on. If you've got a clunker, junker car, somebody says, can I eat in your car? You say, knock yourself out. Go ahead. There's no way you can mess up my old car. It'll be fine. But let's go say that you buy a new car. It's brand new. And now somebody says, can I eat in your car? And you say, no way. You can't eat. You can't breathe in my car. And you wrap everything in plastic, including the children and grandchildren. <laughs> And you say, don't touch anything in my car. I'm invested in my car. It's new. You know how it is. It's got the new car smell. I want the new car. I'm taking care. I've invested in it. And the problem is that sometimes we may invest in things that don't last. Sometimes we invest in things that don't last. And God says, you know what? It's okay, but, but let me show you something better. Let me show you how to invest in eternity. Let me show you how to invest in something that's going to matter forever. And when you look at the teaching of Jesus, he said it over and over again in a lot of different ways. And he illustrates the different ways for us to invest, not to invest in things that don't last. But he says we're to pour out our treasure into the things that will impact eternity. Look what he says in Scripture. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them.
and where thieves break in and steal. Today, I've got a thought for you, and I hope that you'll just latch onto this and embrace it. Listen, our God has created us to pour, not to store. That'll preach, I'm just telling you. We're made to pour. We're made to pour out blessings on other people, not just store them up for ourselves. Did you know the Bible tells us that the reason that God gives us things is so that we might have enough to share with other people? That's what he tells us. That's what he wants us to do. Jesus said the rich, the poor will always be with you. He said the poor will always be with you. He said, but I won't always be here. Why? So we can share with others in need. That's what we do with We Care. We Care Ministry is a food pantry. It reaches out to people. And because of your generosity, every year you give over $70,000 to the We Care Ministry, and it's run totally by volunteers. There's not any paid employees. And you bring all kinds of items, and you do that so that you might minister to others. I want to thank you today. This is Thanksgiving week. I want to thank you today for your generosity. Because of you, this church is able to help other people. You missed the missions banquet the other night. It was a great thing. I hate that you missed it. It was wonderful. Some of you were there. And, and it, literally, when I left there, I told Laura, I said, we literally are reaching people all over the world. What a blessing it is to do God's work. What a blessing it is to invest in eternity and to make a difference. And so today, I want you to see that God created us to pour, not to store he created us. Jesus said it this way. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And he's right. We're created to pour, not to store. We can be generously invested in the work of God through his church. And it can make a difference, a life-transforming difference in someone else's life because we invest in the kingdom of God right here. We're created to pour, not to store. Somebody say, I'm invested. I'm invested. I, I know that you want to be invested too. The good news is that most of you here really love to give, that you really love making a difference in somebody else's life, that, that you like to take what God entrusts to you and you like to give it to other people and share it with them and watch them receive it and be blessed by it. Years ago in college, I, I made enough money finally to buy my family Christmas presents. They weren't big, but I bought my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Son. It's one of my favorite Christmases because I just sat there and I watched them open up the presents that I got them. It's a blessing to give, isn't it? Because we were created to pour, not to store. Take something that God has entrusted to us. Use it for someone else and just enjoy it. There's a deep satisfaction and abiding joy when you use what God has trusted to you to bless someone else. And that's why very few of you will get emotional over consuming stories. Times when you went out and bought something. There are a few people who say, I get the most emotional telling you about one of my spending experiences at Pier Park. I went in, I saw it. I wanted it, but I didn't have the money to pay for it. And so I went ahead and I charged that bracelet and I got it and I only have to pay on it seven months and it's only 29%. And I just get emotional when I think about buying that bracelet. It's just a blessing to be there, just God and I buying that bracelet together. It was such a wonderful feeling to swipe that card and know it was only 29%. What a blessing. More people ought to do that like me. 
You don't have many emotional spending stories, do you? But you may recall many, many, many giving stories. Times when you gave. Times when you made a difference in somebody else's life. Times when you blessed someone because you gave. Those of you who are tithers, you might get emotional about the first time you decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. It's biblical. I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to give God 10%. I want to give him a large portion of what I have because I, I want to do it. And you get emotional thinking about the first time you stepped out on faith and tried it. And it felt so good. And then you want to tell your friends about it. And then you want to get up in church and talk about it. And then you look back and you say, I don't know why. I waited so long. What was I waiting on? It's such a blessing to give. And you gave an offering maybe to somebody in your small group because you knew they had a need. And you gave something significant to someone else. And maybe you had an old junker clunker car that didn't get totaled. And you just gave it to somebody else before it got totaled so they could have it because they needed it. And maybe you know somebody who needs diapers and you know, you're going to stop by the store and get diapers for somebody today because, you know, people are having a hard time today. They're struggling to buy groceries and gasoline. It's a difficult time. And sometimes, you know, we'll have uh, folks come to the church and they'll say, do you have, do you all offer any scholarships to attend that event? We always like to smile and say, we sure do. If you need a scholarship, don't ever let money keep you from doing it. If you need a scholarship, We've got money for you because of your generosity, because you're givers. And you made a difference in somebody's life because you gave, and you made a difference all over the world because you gave, and people in need received because you gave. And you looked back, and you felt the joy of the Lord. And you knew that he trusted you with that, and, and you were just so blessed to have it and to share it with someone else. And the reason that you felt that joy is because God created you to pour, not to store. That's what he wants us to do. I believe he wants us to give. I believe you really want to give. Sometimes we think, I want to, but I, I don't think I can do it right now. Those of you may have a, a scarcity mindset, and you may believe that there's only one piece of the pie. There's only one pie, and if I give somebody one piece of the pie, then there's less pie for me. But did you ever consider you can just make more pie? God is great at making more pie. How many of you are going to eat pie this week for Thanksgiving? How many of you are pumpkin? How many of you are pecan? As God intended. Okay, good, good. Well, I hope you enjoy it this week. But I want you to know, you know, where that came from, there's always more. There's not, do you ever leave Thanksgiving and say, you know, it was good, but I just went home hungry. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because you're going to eat leftovers, you know, for dinner. And you're going to eat leftovers all weekend. And you're going to go, enough, enough turkey already. Let's go somewhere else. i got to have something else. But we live, so many people live with a scarcity mindset that says, when, then. When I get this, then I'll give that. When then? And we just keep waiting. And we just keep, well, not now. It's not, this isn't the right time. Later, later maybe, but not when then. But we don't ever get around to it because we have a scarcity mindset. And you know what that's based on? 
It's based on fear. I'm going to lose what I've got. And God says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And if you've got fear, that comes from the pit. And you don't have to live that way. You can put your faith and trust in me because we're just not called to store. We're called to pour. In fact, Jesus told a parable about it in Luke 12. He talked about a guy who was a rich farmer, and the rich farmer had a lot, and he was thinking to himself, what should I do? Now, I want to ask you a question. In the Bible, he talks about this rich farmer. How did he get rich? Who gave him what he had? God did. You say, well, he worked for it. Yeah, who gave him the ability? Well, well, he had a job. Yeah, who gave him the job? Well, who gave him the opportunity? God did. And God said, I'm going to bless you. And so he was blessed. And this guy was a hard worker. And he followed the principles of seeds and harvest. And he was a blessed guy. He had a lot of his stuff. But the problem was he had a scarcity mindset. And he said, what should I do with all I have? And he never knew what the Bible would teach. And in verse 18, it says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I'm not going to pour. I'm going to store. I'm not going to share. I'm not going to bless others. I'm going to keep it all to myself. And God looked at him and said, you fool, you're being so short-sighted. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Why? Well, Jesus said it this way. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. But is not rich toward God. Don't miss what he's telling us. Don't miss what he says. We're created to pour, not to store. Not a scarcity mindset of fear, but one of faith. Now, fortunately, there's another mindset besides the scarcity mindset, and that is the mindset of abundance. And God has an abundant mindset. We believe that God is abundantly generous. He's a good God. He owns everything. He's a good God. He loves his children. He provides for all of our needs. Not only does our God give us enough, but the Bible says he gives us more than enough so that we can share with those around us. We don't have to live our lives with a scarcity mindset. We can be faith-filled, God-believing people, people who want to honor God, and we want to be generous in the way that He is generous and bless others. In John, the 12th chapter, we read the amazing woman about this amazing woman who encountered Jesus and she poured out a very expensive bottle of perfume and it was worth a whole year's wages. And she gave it, and it was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And she took her most valuable, valuable possession, a jar full of expensive perfume, valued at a year's worth of wages, and because of the grace that Jesus Christ had extended to her, this woman didn't store it up. She didn't save it for a special occasion. Instead, she poured it out on the feet of Jesus the most valuable possession that she had was Jesus. He had saved her. He had blessed her. And so as a sacrificial act of worship, she gave all that she had to him. If God is good enough to forgive me, if God is good enough to provide for me, 
If he's there for me in whatever I need, then I'm going to use this as an expression of worship for him. She didn't store. She poured. But there was another person in the story, and his name was Judas. And Judas didn't have an abundant mindset. Judas had a scarcity mindset. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. And why did he betray Jesus? For money. I don't have enough. I need more. I'll tell you who he is if you'll pay me a certain amount. Compare the mindset of Mary with the mindset of Judas. This woman completely forgiven, transformed by Jesus, who gave an extravagant expression of worship to him. And Judas looked on and said, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop that. We could have sold that and used the money to help the poor. Judas's mindset was there's not enough here for us to give this to Jesus. It's a scarcity mindset. We don't have enough to be generous. And Jesus said, what this woman has done is a beautiful thing. He said, this story will be told for generations to come of her beautiful, sacrificial, extravagant expression in this moment of worship. We're created to pour, not to store. Somebody say, I'm invested. I'm invested and I'm, I'm thankful for God. I get a front row seat to watch what he does. I'm invested in the work of the Lord and I want to help other people. I want to be there for people in need. God created you to pour, not to store. If Jesus came to your house this afternoon, what would you give him? Well, we got some sweet tea in here, Jesus. You like sweet tea? We bought some barbecue from the men. You, you like, oh, that's right, I forgot. Y'all don't eat barbecue, sorry. What would you give Jesus if he came to your house? I can tell you this, whatever you gave him, it wouldn't be enough, would it? It would seem so insignificant in relationship to what he's given you and me. I think you and I would be speechless. I think we would fall on our face and kiss his feet and just try to get out, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a chance to try to help with someone else who's far from God. Thank you. Jesus preached one day, and he was preaching to the biggest crowd he ever preached to. They say there were 5,000 people, but that's not really accurate because they just counted the men. They didn't count the women and children. I'll have you know we count the women and children here and the men because that's the kind of people we are. We count them all, okay? There might have been fifteen or 20,000 people there. And Jesus preached that day. And so it was the biggest crowd he ever preached to, and he preached the longest sermon that he had ever preached. Have any of you ever been to a message that just went too long? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Be gracious, be kind, be nice. That's what Jesus was doing that day. He was on a roll. He got started, and he started early in the morning, and he was just going and going and going. There was this huge crowd of people, and he just kept telling them more and more. And the disciples started getting tired, and they started getting hungry. And so they were wondering what to do. And the scripture says, late in the afternoon, see, you think I keep you a long time. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And can't you just see them getting together? Huddle up, guys. Come here. We have got to do something. We are worn out. I'm about to pass out. I'm about to go to sleep, and I'm so hungry. We have got to shut him down. 
What are we going to do? Let's make a plan. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell him that the people are tired and hungry, right? We don't want him to know about us. So we all go together. We, we bond and go together. We hold hands. We go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, listen, we love this sermon. It is wonderful. I don't know that I've ever been to a series of messages all in one day before, but listen, we love it. It's great. And let me tell you, I'm learning things. Man, it's so good. But you know what? There are some people here, and I bet you they're kind of tired and hungry. Not us. We could stay here all day long. But these people, Lord, what can we do with them? Uh, we need to send them out. Let them go get something to eat. Let them find a place to sleep because we don't know how to feed them here. Watch what Jesus does. He replied, you give them something to eat. Well, they weren't counting on that, were they? They thought they'd solved a problem. Now they got a bigger one. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. How are we supposed to do that? You give them something to eat. What are we supposed to give them, Lord? I mean, this is all we've got. There's five biscuits and a Long John Silver snack pack. That's it. That's all I've got. It's not enough. There's 15,000 people here. Well, I got, a, I got a, a value meal here. That's all I've got. I don't have enough to feed all these people. It won't go far enough. Now, let me show you what it says in Scripture. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them, and then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And I want you to visualize this. They got five loaves and two fish. And you know what happened? Thomas was first in line. And he got his basket, and he went to the first person in the crowd. And he said, take a really little piece, okay, because there's a lot of people here, and we don't have enough. He gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people, maybe fifteen or 20,000 people. And then it says this, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And it's Jesus saying to them, you didn't think you had enough, did you? Look at how much you've got left over. In fact, I'm going to give every one of you a doggy bag to take home with you so you can just eat on this, just like Thanksgiving. You can just keep eating on it for days to come. Jesus blessed it. The disciples gave it, and God multiplied it. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Because what you give away will be multiplied by God. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. When you give your faith away to somebody far from God and they become a believer, what do they do? They give their faith away to somebody else and that person becomes a believer and that person and that person and the next person. Why? Because you started it. You gave your faith away and God multiplied it. You were created to pour, not to store. And so God will multiply when you give. God didn't give them more when they stored it. God gave them more when they poured it. God multiplies what we give when we are generous. Somebody say, I'm invested. I'm invested, and thank God I am. I'm so grateful that he allows me to participate in work with him. I can say it with a smile on my face. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all that God has given me and the opportunities he's given me to be a blessing to someone else. I'm invested in God's work. Generosity is not an act. It's a posture of the heart. It's a mindset. You know what generous people do? 
They look for needs. They look around beyond themselves. They've just got those eyes that are always available and always ready, and they're looking for needs, and they're thinking, how can I meet this need? And so they don't store up. They pour out. Generous people realize it's a mindset. It's not a when then. It's a now. I started when I was 21 years old. A layman and a preacher taught me. They explained to me how to tithe, and I started doing it on my whopping $700 a month. I was rich. $700 a month in 1978, and they told me how to give $70 a month, and I did it gladly. And I was so grateful, and, and now I've done it all this time. And what a privilege it is to be a part of God's work. What's a tithe? A tithe, it comes from a Hebrew word, master, and it just means a tenth. And the Old Testament and the New Testament teach it. And it just says that we get a chance to give an investment back to God. And it's not because God's broke, because he's got, he owns everything. It's so we'll learn to trust him in this aspect of our lives. I'm going to give this to you, God. I mean, I've given my life to you. I'm going to spend eternity with you. I think I can trust you with these resources, okay? And I'm going to give it to you, and I just pray you'll multiply it. And I thank you for the privilege to give. What do little children do when you, when you go to church and we used to pass the offering plate? What do little children do? Give me some money. I want to give. I'll put some in for you. Uh-uh. I want to give. And they want it. They want that money. When Collins was a little, our granddaughter, she would say, give me some monies. I want some monies. And she wanted the change. And she wanted to put it in herself. I want to give that to God. And Malachi in the Old Testament says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You see, when we meet other people's needs with a food pantry, we might get a chance to meet them with a spiritual need later on. Some of them might come to church. Some of them might be involved in small group. Some people come from different reasons and different places and different groups and classes. They come for all kinds of reasons, and it's an opportunity in the local church to meet a physical need so we might meet a spiritual need. And the Bible says this, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Because where you invest things, your heart will follow. Recently, I had a chance to run up to Birmingham, and our granddaughter Collins was there, and, and uh, Bill Small went with me, and, and we took my mother-in-law's baby grand piano and put it in the house up there. The church had used it for a while, and we bought a new piano in the other worship center, and so we ran it up there and, and came back the next day. But that night, I told Elizabeth I was coming, and Collins was at dance class, and she didn't know I was coming. And Elizabeth says, why don't, you, why don't you surprise her and pick her up at dance class? And I said, okay, where is it? And she told me, and at 6.15, I was ready. And the children came out, and I was standing out on the sidewalk. And she came out looking for a mom, and I got down at her level like that. And she went, buddy, because that's who I am, buddy. And Laura's honey, as God intended, that's who we are. <laughs> buddy, I didn't know you were coming. I know I surprised you. I thought mom was coming. We're going to meet her and your dad for dinner. But I just wanted to surprise you. Okay, gave me a big hug. We got in the car. And I don't go empty-handed. I don't ever go empty-handed. And so I took a little pen. I had a little pen that had a butterfly on it. I took my little pen with a butterfly on it. I said, Collins will love this. And I gave her the pen. And you know what she said? She didn't say, is this it? Is this all I get? She never says that. Thanks, buddy. This is pretty. And she started writing with it. She was so excited. But then I reached down and Bill's feet, I had hidden a bag down there because I had contacted her mother and I had said, okay, what? 
and where? She said, Target, and here's a picture. So I went, and Bill and I were on a mission, and we accomplished the task. And we bought it, and it was a babysitting thing, a doll and a little doll. And it had a lot of tiny little accessories to go with it. So, because that's the kind of gift that grandparents give, you know, to their grandchildren. And then we tell the parents, it's up to you to keep up with all that stuff, right? She got all that stuff out. She was having the biggest time. But when I handed it to her, I said, hey, this is in the way. Mr. Bill needs some more room up here. Can you just put that somewhere? And I set it on the back seat, but I made sure she could see it. And she looked at it, and her eyes got great big. And she pulled it out, and she said, this is just what I wanted. I said, really? Who knew? That's wonderful that you got just what you wanted. And she got that present. You know, and I've thought about this a lot since Bill and I went. And it's been on my mind. And you know, one of my regrets, I really regret that 20 bucks I spent on Collins. <laughs> I wish I still had it. There are places I could have used that. This week it could come up. I might need that 20 bucks. I didn't have to spend it on Collins. But you know what? I love her. And because I love her, I give. And I don't have any regrets. You love God. I know you do. You love his church. You love the work of the kingdom. You love things that are eternal. You love things that are important. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. And so I just want you to say, I'm in. I'm in. Say it. I'm invested. I just thank God for the privilege to be invested. I'm grateful. It's a privilege. I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. I'm going to give and meet the needs of people. And I'm going to do it because of the one who did it for me. In his name we pray. And all God's children said,